welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. It only took three years to get here, but thanks to you, (laughs) I appreciate it. I want you to know I'm very proud of all three of my sons. Uh, All three of my sons have a passionate love affair with Jesus. I always was afraid that they'd grow up and be preacher's kids. You know what they are? They're terrors, that's what they are. And there were times that that was exhibited, as I shared at the early service. I still remember one time in Arlington, United Methodist Church in small little Arlington. That was our first church. And uh, Aaron was probably around four, perhaps, three or four. Anyway, I was greeting people as the church service was over. And I looked up at the balcony. And he and his brothers and some other friends, they were up in the balcony. And Aaron was spitting on people as they were leaving. (laughs) So don't get too close to him, okay? All three of my sons love Jesus, and that delights a mother and a father's heart. So I'm grateful for that. And of course, you know that Aaron loves to preach. I love to preach. But I tell you what, every preacher needs somebody to clean up the mess. Ryan, thank you. (laughs) Do I hear an amen for Ryan? Ryan was always the organized one. when, When Aaron and Ryan worked with me at Asbury, uh, Aaron uh, sometimes needed help on some skills of, or, you know, he shot from the hip, would organize things at the last minute uh, and stuff. And, and Ryan is the one that was more like me in personality that way and that he could organize things and get things accomplished. So it's just good to see you uh, hand in glove and, and every once in a while having to slap that other hand. <laughs> I want to acknowledge also before we begin today that There are some folks here from Asbury United Methodist Church. I pastored the Asbury United Methodist Church in Wichita for 20 years. I had a wonderful ministry, and I would like for all of you to know, the majority of you who are here have no idea who I am other than I'm Aaron and Ryan's son, uh, dad. Um, uh, But I, I was the pastor at Asbury Church, and Reliance Church was the result of the birth that Asbury United Methodist Church gave to it. And so on behalf of Reliance Community Church, and those of you who are from Asbury, thank you for believing in the future for kingdom work, and we appreciate what you gave. With that in mind, I I was a United Methodist pastor for 40 years. However, I retired, and after, (laughs) this is the second service I've done, so I have to admit that I know now why why I retired, because I'm tired. Uh, I really am tired. I used to do three services at Asbury, but I was younger then. And Anyway, uh, having been a Methodist for so long, you probably assumed that I was going to a United Methodist Church. But I want you to know that my wife and I now are members of a conservative Mennonite country church near Partridge, Kansas. And pretty soon, LaDonna will be soon wearing the covering and stuff. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But I was a shock for them. Anybody from Mennonite background? Any Mennonite backgrounds? Oh, there's a few of you. You know, Mennonites are very kind of reserved, a little stoic, you know, low-key. Uh, so my worship expression and stuff was a little bit different than they were accustomed to. So we're still adjusting. We're having a great time. I'm on the elder board there and missions chair and men's ministry chair, and I preach once a month. I'm having a great time. So I may retire, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing anything. 
just sitting around doing nothing. I'm working for the kingdom. I was so encouraged by the worship this morning and the words that were expressed. They were words that encouraged and lifted us up. They were, they were words that spoke to our heart and reminded us that we belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I, I want to continue, if I may, with that theme by sharing with you on how to walk in freedom. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 and following, there's a story of Bartimaeus. But before we read that text, I want to share a story, just a brief story, of someone who after the first service came up to me and said, I, I appreciate so much the word that you shared. Could you give me that scripture that you referenced regarding grace upon grace? And I said, do you need that in your life? And the response was, yes, but not just once. It's the same old thing that I keep sinning before God. I want to address that issue in that person's life, but in every life this morning of how we can walk in freedom. Bartimaeus is the a subject of Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Hear this truth. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus, and they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. This is important. Throwing his cloak aside... He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. And God's word is the absolute truth yesterday, today, and forever. And it will never change. Amen. Amen. Many things will fall away. All things will fade, but the Word of God will last forever. Amen. You know, living a Christian life can, can be difficult. Living a Christian life, I think, is tough. I think that's why the, the Scriptures teaches us that you know, we can grow weary sometimes in doing good. And, uh, having lived in the country now for three years, and I don't miss the traffic in Wichita because there were times when living in Wichita was a little difficult because the way in which people drive. You know what I'm talking about? You might know what I'm talking about. They could be such a temptation of sinful nature. <laughs> such a temptation, you know? So trying to live that Christian life, even when someone pulled out in front of you, it was, it was difficult to say, bless you. Even the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, even he struggled with failure and strongholds in his life. And so he claimed for himself the title as chief among sinners. And yet there are many of us who would like to take that title, wrestle that title away from him because we believe that we're the chief among sinners, that nobody's as bad as I am. Nobody's been quite where I am. We should be, I should be called the chief among sinners. 
You know, the power and control of brokenness, of pain and unforgiveness, of strongholds in our lives, those things can defeat us. They can diminish, if you will, the horizon that is before us, the opportunity to see that God is greater than all those things. There are many people who've given their life to Jesus. In fact, as I shared earlier, at this service, I would imagine that at least 99% of you have already been saved and born again. You want to go to heaven. You know to go into heaven. Maybe not go in the next load, but you want to go to heaven. But I've discovered that Christians, even though they're born again and saved by the blood of Jesus, they still live in the guilt and shame of their sin. Jesus died on the cross to take away my sin, to impart into me righteousness, but he also nailed on that cross my sin and my shame. Amen? And there are too many of us who are living in the dungeon, if you will, of their life, living in a cave, living in a tunnel, and all they see is the darkness of what they have done and shouldn't have done, and you need to come out of that tunnel and discover that the light is waiting on you. A couple weeks ago, down our road, we have some cows down the road, and I go every morning to go water them, and somebody done a roadkill. You know what a roadkill? That's country talk. Somebody killed an armadillo along the road, ran over the thing, smashed it. And every time I morning I'd go and, and check those cows, that smell would just come, I mean, it would just linger. You know, some of you got roadkill in your life. And it's traveling you wherever you go and it's tied to you. It's called the stink of your failures and your disappointments. It's called the smell, if you will, of those things that you know you shouldn't be about and you have done. It's time to get rid of roadkill, don't you think? We're looking for victory, for freedom, freedom over our fears and unforgiveness, freedom from broken relationships, of nasty habits, of hidden sins. There's not a person here who, in his or her life, doesn't have some kind of spot, a blemish, a scar, a wound, a sore, a sin, a dirty little secret. Everybody here has got something in their life. Nobody's perfect. You know, I haven't always been a Christian myself. I'm not going to tell you everything about that, but I'm not going to. I want you to know that not all of us, in fact, not a one of us, has lived a perfect life. If you have, if you think you've already lived a perfect life, you've already failed because you just lied. <laughs> Nobody has been at that place. Do you feel trapped this morning? I believe Christians sometimes feel trapped. Trapped in their despair and failure. Trapped in their guilt. Trapped in their shame. Do you desire to walk in freedom, the freedom that Jesus promised, but you feel like you just never quite get there, that you're just right there and then something else happens and you just explode or whatever happens, and as a result of that you feel hindered and diminished as a Christian? Are you carrying around that roadkill that Jesus has already freed you from? In our text for today from Mark chapter 10, we find a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was by the side of the road doing what beggars normally do, which was beg. Such was his lot in life, because in those days, if you were a blind person, there were only two ways in which which you could be taken care of. One is family members would take care of you. The second, if family members didn't take care of you, then you were alongside of a heavily traveled area, and you expected people to give to you alms, if you will. In other words, they gave to you support. What an empty, despairing existence. But hey, what could Bartimaeus do? That was his lot in life, wasn't it? 
But Jesus gives us more than our circumstances. Jesus gives us more, if you will, than the situations that seek to dictate to us how we're going to live our life. I don't know your situation. I don't know where you came from. The majority of you, I don't even know. I've never seen you except for right now. But I want you to know whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever sin, whatever's calling you and hindering you from walking with Jesus, I want you to know God does not allow those things to dictate the final word. There's a final word that was said on the cross. It is finished. What's that mean? That means that sin and death has finally been defeated once and for all. Amen? It's finished in your life. You need to say that. Say it with me. It's finished. Say it again. It's finished. So stop walking around with roadkill. It's finished. There's a promise and a guarantee that salvation brings, which is eternal life, yes, but Jesus is so much more than just salvation. Jesus is our bondage breaker. Do I hear an amen? amen? Jesus takes all those things that seem to bind us and shackle us and chain us. He, he binds those things and he breaks those things. We can walk in freedom this morning and the healing of Bartimaeus can help show us the way. We have power. You believe that? I have power. I know that I am more than what you see. You know why? Because God is in me. And I know that you are more than what I see. You know why? Because God is in you. We have a power. We have an authority. We have a presence. We have a God presence as a follower of Jesus. And though we may struggle with those strongholds and, and difficulties in our life, they do not have to be the final word. They do not have to control us. Many years ago, I started lifting weights. And as you can see, I kept up. <laughs> Which side do you need to see best? <laughs> but I actually hadn't lifted in a long time until then. And so I'd gone back. And, and so I, I, I mean, my muscles were so sore. After three weeks, I tell you, the boys would come up sometimes and they would start to hit me. Don't touch me, don't touch me. Everything just hurt. You know, just hurt. So one night, LaDonna and I were getting ready for bed, and I was in the bathroom. It's probably about a month after I started lifting, and I was in the bathroom going, looking in the mirror. And LaDonna said, what are you doing? I said, LaDonna, I, I think my muscles have grown. She just died laughing. I thought she was going to fall out of that bed laughing. She said, you look so stupid like that, you know what I mean? And then I thought to myself, you know, she's probably right. <laughs> but you see, the, the difference was, I saw in the mirror what I could be. And I'm asking you this morning to look in the mirror of who you could be. Stop seeing your weaknesses and your failures. Find your strong woman and man in the faith of God. To walk in freedom, we must take responsibility for where we are. You've got to take responsibility. If you want to walk in freedom, the freedom that Jesus promises, we have to assume responsibility for our own life. Bartimaeus, that's what he did. He assumed responsibility for his own life. You know, it kind of reminds me, this was years ago. Some of you probably don't even remember. But if it says hot chocolate for heaven's uh, hot coffee, it means it's hot. Amen? 
you don't go and sell the proprietor, uh, sue the proprietor because you poured the, uh, poured the hot coffee on you. You don't, uh, but this person did, and they won. Can you imagine? Hot coffee means hot coffee. <laughs> Duh. In verse 47 we read, and when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene who was by, coming walking by, he began to crowd and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't wait for the others to tell him. He already had heard who Jesus was by other people talking. He had never seen him. Bartimaeus had been, may have been born blind or may have been blind and unable to see Jesus, but he heard that Jesus is coming his way, and he didn't wait for somebody else to tap him on the shoulder and tell him that Jesus was there, and he didn't wait to feel around to see if anyone was around so they could say, would you go get him for me? Bartimaeus took his own responsibility. He said, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Bartimaeus could have used his blindness as an excuse for staying where he was, a beggar. But instead, he took the responsibility for his own life. One of the most discouraging things that I've ever heard as a pastor, and I hear it over and over and over, I ask people all the time, how are you doing in Jesus? And, and you know, many times you get to say, well, oh, okay, I guess. And then they follow it with this, well, I'm only human. I could never know. <laughs> could never tell. They add, I'm only human, which is my way of saying, I have an excuse for not being what God exactly wants me to be. Isn't that what it is? Walking in freedom requires that we take personal responsibility for our life and not seek someone else or something else to blame for my sin, my failure, my nasty, if you will, my nasty secret for my stronghold. It doesn't matter how we got to that place of bondage. It doesn't matter how you wandered into that place that's desolate right now in your life. What matters is to acknowledge it, to confess it, and to deal with it. Where are you? Are you still walking around with roadkill? Are you still in the tunnel of darkness? Are you still living in that dark, dank cellar, if you will? Is that where you're at? Come out of that only you can walk away from those things we are responsible for our own lives do I hear an amen on that now I know that's foreign in our culture because I, I'm not responsible for anything anything everybody else is it, it's just, it just blows my mind how our culture blames everything and you know just as soon as something happens for example if you break your nail on a car door you're going to hear it one day. Somebody's going to sell the car, sue the car manufacturer for the broken nail. Should have been more cushion on it. No, you need your head examined. <laughs> We're responsible for our own lives. No one else. What we do with that responsibility profoundly affects how we live. Don't pawn off the way that you are to the circumstances and the situations of your life. The porn that you watch, the bitterness that you hold on to, the guilt you carry, the, indulge, the sin that you indulge in. Don't pawn it off and make excuses for it. Address it. Be responsible. And realize that in your responsibility, God meets you right there and He will deal with it for you. Amen? The beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't always say, well, remember the road killed behind you. No, he says, remember the road ahead of you. The enemy wants you to remind, be reminded of the road killed behind you, of the smell that's following you. But Jesus wants you to remember the road that's ahead. To walk in freedom, we must take responsibility for where we are. 
And more importantly, sisters and brothers, we must know who we are. Who are you? Are you just a, a dirty, rotten sinner? Is this is all as good as it's going to get for you? Let me tell you, if this is as good as it gets, then I'm a mite disappointed, aren't you? Not only take responsibility for yourself, not only know where you are, but more importantly, know who you are. We are a child of the King. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Hallelujah! Does that sound like roadkill to you? Know who you are. You're a child of the King. But I just failed, just as that person was saying this morning. And I continue to fail. You're a child of the King. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a chosen people. But I just failed. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people. Is that not who we are? Amen. Remember who you are, not just what you've done. If you don't leave any, remember anything when you leave this morning, remember that one phrase. Remember who you are, not just what you've done. That's what you've done, the roadkill. But Jesus reminds us of who I am. To walk in freedom requires that we clarify our need as well. Jesus' words to Bartimaeus in verse 51 at first appears to be a person that is just totally clueless. You know what I mean? This is a man that's blind. He's been begging there for whoever knows how long. And people have been giving him support, giving him offerings, etc. And Jesus comes up to him. And Jesus' first words to him was not one of comfort, not, not words of how long you've been here, here's your family. Jesus' first words to him were, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> Hello? You know, it's, it's like going to Spangles and standing at the counter and somebody comes up and says, what do you want? Well, I thought this is where you got a hamburger. I want to say to Jesus when I read that, really, Jesus? He's blind. What, what do you think he needs from you? But there's a deeper message in the question that Jesus asked. Jesus already knew his physical ailment. The restoration of his sight, though it was important, was only secondary to his greatest, greatest need, which was discovering the grace of God. That's what he really needed. Because I've met some people that can see very clearly, but they're blind. And I know blind people that can see a whole lot better than people who got physical sight. Jesus was trying to remind him that the grace of God is what that person needed more than his physical sight. We find a similar story in John chapter 5. Jesus walks up to this paralytic. Now, he's laying on the pools of Bethsaida. Those were just pools or porticos, if you will, in Bethsaida. And, and the people that are laying there are usually crippled, blind, lame, withered, etc., the text says. And at certain seasons, the, the Lord would send an angel and stir the water up. And the first person who would drop into the water would be healed of his or her affliction. Now you got to mention, and you got to remember now, he's laid there for 38 years according to John chapter 5. 38 years! He's waited at that same little pool, waiting for the water to be stooled down. I mean, he couldn't move. So all he could do was go and hope he was the first one to fall in. 
And Jesus walks up to him and says these words. Do you wish to be made well? It's like Jesus' Happy Meal is short of fry. I mean, you ever thought about it? Do you wish to be made well? Walking in freedom from the strongholds of our life is not just the temporary removal of the symptoms or the consequences of sin or of the stronghold of our life. Healing is found. Healing is found in the grace, the marvelous, infinite, matchless grace of God. In fact, the more sin abounds, what? Grace abounds even more. Amen! It's knowing the grace of God. Every Christian needs a great understanding, a great depth. In fact, I believe that people who are Christians in the life of the church who are still living with guilt and shame have never clearly understood what it really means to live in grace. Because all they can smell is the roadkill. Walking in freedom. That's what God wants to give us. Healing is found in grace. To walk in freedom from those things in our life that we know are displeasing to God is not just the removal of the symptom or an action. Walking in freedom requires, brothers and sisters, that we find our real need. What's your need this morning? What is it that you're holding on to? What is it that's stinking up your life? Where are you? Let go of it because the grace of God has already disposed of it. It's past tense. It's already done. The last words that Jesus spoke on the cross was, it is finished. What does that mean? Sin and death is over with. It's finally sealed and done with. It's finished in your life. Say it with me. It's finished. So why are you walking then still in, in shame and guilt from the times when you stumble and fall? If walking in freedom, now this is important, if walking in freedom is the removal of our temptations. If freedom is a sinless life, if walking in freedom is a perfect life, then we will never know freedom, for even Jesus was tempted, even as we were and are. Grace is, is the love and forgiveness of God, not because we deserve it, not because I earn it, not because I've tried hard enough, not because I've done my devotion every single day. Not because we deserve it, but because God unconditionally gives it. You're his chosen race, his royal priesthood. Walk like it. Receive it. John chapter 1, verse 16. For of his fullness we have received grace upon grace. The grace of God is not an invitation to sin. And I don't mean that. I don't want anybody to hear that. The grace of God is not an invitation to accept where you are, to say, I'm only human. It's to, it's, it's to yield our strongholds to the helplessness of our own situation to the only one who has power to release us. We stand by grace and grace alone. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, the therefore is important because it's talking about who you are now. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained an introduction by faith into this grace which we now stand. In Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, 
We read these words, In Jesus we have redemption in His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. What's lavish mean? That you're just barely getting by? I just kind of eased it out, you know what I mean? I mean, is, is, is lavish just one chocolate chip cookie? I'd say hardly. No, it's when LaDonna makes a whole bunch of chocolate chip cookies and puts them on the plate and she says, pig out. Now that's lavish. That's lavish. I'm still waiting for that day. <laughs> Bartimaeus wanted to regain his sight. Verse 50, 51. But his greater healing can be found in verse 50. And casting aside his cloak, Bartimaeus jumped up and he ran to Jesus. Now this, this is important too. Bartimaeus' cloak represented all that was keeping him back. Because for a beggar now, they didn't own property. They didn't have possessions. They couldn't carry their desk and their bed and everything else with them. So a cloak was the primary possession of a beggar. You could use a cloak when the chill was bad. Or when the rain came and you could cover yourself. The cloak represented everything that Bartimaeus had. It wasn't that he was blind. For even blind people can see spiritually. No, he cast aside his old life, his old inhibitions, his failures, his sins, his secrets, guilt and shame and strongholds, and he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Now remember, he's still blind. He didn't even know which direction he was going. But God will always lead the way, amen? I don't care if you know everything about Christian life. Know the Bible cover to cover. I just ask you to get up and get going. Jesus will point the way. Bartimaeus, this place was not quite there yet. He couldn't see. This is the point of contact, the grace of God, that he both found freedom from his physical illness and freedom from his spiritual bondage. Walking in freedom is to believe that we can change. Bartimaeus' life would change. It was. Walking in freedom is to know that you can be more than what you are. Look at yourself in the mirror. Don't see just at this person. Look at your potential, at the possibilities. That's what God is all about in the grace of God. In verse 46, we read that Bartimaeus was a beggar sitting beside the road begging for a living and hardly a moment of opportunity, hardly an environment in which we would say where there are possibilities. But I want you to know that Bartimaeus reminds us that if we are to break free from the strongholds of our life, we need to stop waiting for ideal circumstances for the right moment. Now's the time. Amen? Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. Now is the time. What do you need? What do you need to cut that roadkill from yourself? To get rid of that sin and shame that you're living in and under bondage to? Cut it right now. Now's your opportune time. Even the crowd tried to remind Bartimaeus of his place as a blind beggar. Because if you remember, what was their response? Did they say, hey, he's calling for you? Oh, no. Did you hear what they said? Be quiet. Know your place. If you want to find freedom from the strongholds, Freedom from the fear, freedom from the unforgiveness, freedom from sex addiction, freedom from bitterness and critical spirit. You fill in the blank of your own life. 
then don't wait for a better time to crawl out from underneath that rock to cut that roadkill. Today is the day. Today is the day. You may have limped in, but you can leap out. Amen? But you're responsible. Your opportune time is now. I want to invite the praise team to come, if you would, please. Do you think that Bartimaeus left his old life and began a new life and that he never again stumbled along the way? If he were dead. Amen? No, Bartimaeus' new life was not a life without sin. It wasn't a life without struggle. It wasn't a life without conflict. But it was a life that found strength in the name of Jesus. Forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Authority in the name of Jesus. That's what he found. He would a man who would struggle just as you and me. But he found the secret this grace of God imparted to him. Walking in freedom from bondage is, is holding on to and growing in the grace of God. It's forgiving yourself as God has forgiven you. It's saying no to sin and yes to God. And when I do sin and when I do fall, it's saying that's not who I am. That is the roadkill. This is who I am. Amen. Amen. I believe Jesus is coming back. Don't you? How many believe Jesus is coming back? Amen. And when he comes back and the skies open, the clouds come, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm, I'm not quite ready. I'm going to say, I'm ready, Jesus. Take me. I'm fully surrendered. There's not a person, as I shared earlier here, who doesn't have some problem Circumstance, situation, sin, stain, crud, stink in his or her life. So what are you going to do about it? Crawl away? Spell that stink for the rest of your life? Or remember that you're a child of God? Saved by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, there's someone out there that need to hear, but more importantly than hearing, they need to respond. They are living in their own failures, awash in their own disappointments, their own shame and guilt I pray that you would send them forth Lord and cut away the roadkill of their life the enemy who always wants them to look back and smell the stink but you who died and rose again so they can look forward to the hope so right now in this moment Lord bring that person to the place where he or she says yes.
to the King of glory and know to defeat. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.